0: And welcome to the latest science of sport podcast i'm your host matt solomon and today i'm delighted to be joined by jb moran so jb is a full professor at the university of saint etienne he is well known for his research into force velocity profiling and that's exactly why we've got him here today so he's going to take us through how you can use force velocity profiling in any scenario to get the best out of your athletes so without further ado it's time to welcome jb onto the show so, JB Moran, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute honor to have you here. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now?
1: So, I am currently a full professor at the University of Saint Etienne in France, I'm working on sports biomechanics mechanics and performance. So, I'm doing research, teaching. I'm the new director of the sports science department. And,. Um, Aside from that, I'm doing some consultancy on sports science with uh, teams and, and, and private groups out of the university. Absolutely fantastic. You've got a huge research
0: background as well, right? So uh, how many papers have you released until, the, until now?
1: Uh, uh, 150 or something. I started
0: <laughs> quite young. <laughs> <laughs> he says casually 150 academic papers excellent um so you're you're the absolutely perfect person to discuss force velocity profiling right so can you give us a quick
1: introduction as to uh, what it is and why it's important so it is something that's been uh, always there because it's a it's a physiological feature of the of the neuromuscular system it means that and everybody knows that that our system cannot produce the same amount of force at different levels of velocity of movement or the velocity of movement at different levels of force or resistance. So it means that our system organizes with a spectrum of force output depending on the velocity and vice versa. So everybody knows that when we produce a lot of force, the movement is slow. And when we produce a very fast movement, we cannot produce a lot of force output. And so the force velocity profile is individual, And it characterizes the entire capabilities of the system, of the sportsmen or of everyday life people. Everything that has uh, basically legs and muscles or muscles uh, has a force velocity profile.
0: So when it comes to then sporting
1: performance, why does it become important to make sure that we're measuring this? Uh, This is a key question because um, if you just analyze performance in terms of, let's say, physical performance in terms of distance, time or speed, You know the output, you know the external displacement or speed, but you don't know exactly the underlying, the underpinning uh, uh, mechanics and physiological uh, feature of the same performance. So you want to know the mechanical um, uh, things that are creating performance. And we know that the same given performance, like a sprint time on a 30-meter test or a jump eight, can come from very different combinations of force and velocity output. So if you want to train people, um, and maybe fine tune their training better, you maybe want to know exactly how they manage their own physical performance. And that's where, uh, this analysis can be a plus in training. I always say that if you do, if you do any type of training, you may have some results with some people. Okay. You know, but at some point, the same training content will not produce uh, results. And that's where you need to dig deeper into, okay, wh- wh- who do we have here in terms of force and velocity output?
0: I think that's the super interesting. It gives us a great background and a reason to, to go ahead and then start to test it. So when when we've then worked out that this is important and we need to kind of uh, put some
1: numbers on this, what, what does the testing look like? So the testing is well. You need some. You need some uh, multi joint movements like uh, pushing, throwing, jumping, uh, sprinting, cycling. Typically, um, you need to measure the force output of the system. So today there is no way you can measure a muscle output directly experimentally. I mean, so don't bother measuring it. Okay, <laughs> but you measure the the external output. So. The the force on the pedal, the force on the floor in jumping or sprinting, the force on the bar in in pushing movements. And you need also to measure the velocity. And if you know these two mechanical entities, you can basically plot them and there you have the spectrum. And you need also to do some exercises that will allow you to cover the entire spectrum. So you need to find some exercises where you're going to be super strong and there is low velocity. And some exercises were going to be super fast because uh, if you want to know the entire spectrum, you have to experimentally express the entire spectrum. So typically, if I just do a single jump with my body weight, like a squat jump, very basic, there is no way I can uh, um, uh, explore and identify my full spectrum because the squat jump only is just a part of the spectrum. So you want to know the entire story. So you have to expose the body uh, to producing everything. And it's important then to consider as well that uh, the body weight is going to be a factor, right? So
0: um, there could be some exercises that they need to, in this case, uh, remove
1: body weight. Is that also uh, uh, something which you would uh, go into? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, body weight is, in some exercises, it's it's already a, a quite heavy load, like vertical jumping. Your body weight makes you uh, uh, pushing in the middle of the spectrum, so you have to do some unloaded conditions if you want to be faster. Um, in some other situations like sprinting, uh, because you push overall in the and you displace your body in the overall direction, you don't face gravity in sprinting. But um, I would say that body weight is just one among the many various loads you can push against or sprint uh, against. So you will have to take it into account, yes and when
0: when we then uh start to work out how we can do that, what kind of kit do we need to to measure this right because it's not it's not as simple as just saying uh right okay, uh, I jumped uh, twenty centimeters um what kind of things do we need to measure all of these different variables
1: yeah so so today there is a a plethora of systems that go from gold standard uh, research systems to Pocket systems. So the gold standard of measuring force output in in jumping, sprinting, or running, is a force plate or uh, a force sensor that is uh, that is installed into the pedal in in cycling, for example. With these gold standards, you can also measure the speed of movement of the center of mass, and the gold standard for speed of movement is also the the very high f- uh, speed video camera. So I would say that's the laboratory setting. Then you have intermediates. Uh, kits uh, like uh, laser systems, radar systems, the most modern GPS systems can assess the speed of running, and we have designed some uh, equations, some methods to calculate the force output from this speed that is measured. And I would say that the the most uh, accurate slash affordable uh, piece of kit is uh, is iPhone and iPads um, applications. I have no uh, relationship economically speaking with these but they are really cool that are for example uh, my jump 2 my sprint or my lift that are based on just filming the motion and analyzing on the screen the distances and the time and then from velocity computation and the laws of Newton very classical mechanics we can estimate pretty accurately the force output I think if you take my Jump2 application, that is very likely the most popular. You assess the jump eight, and you derive the force output. And there has been, I think, something like ten or more studies validating the jump eight measurements with this app. And in total, it's uh, the app is pretty uh, uh, inexpensive, and uh, almost every, everybody today can have access to uh, an iPhone or a smartphone. So I would say it's it's pretty uh, simple. But simple doesn't mean easy. You have to be very accurate in the in the testing protocol.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, very fortunate, we also have uh, an entire podcast on that already so i can link that one in the show notes but oh, um yeah, it's, 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 it's as if you've planned this uh, we we haven't <laughs> planned it but it's as if you planned this is excellent um so we'll, we'll link that one in the show notes as well um but uh, that, that sounds really really interesting right so you've got all, all of the the kit you can imagine from the most expensive amazing stuff which only the the top uh gyms and athletes might have all the way down to an iphone application which yeah. is is pretty much available to everyone for for about 10 euros dollars or whatever country, currency you're in um, and that, that makes it super accessible to the whole world, right? So it's not just elite athletes who can be doing this. Um, yeah. when, when you've got this profile, when you've got the, the idea of, okay, um, I have this, uh, this gradient or this line on a screen. Um, that's fantastic. But what can you then do with that in terms of training?
1: So I would say that, first of all, uh, you may have some... um, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot right now. You may may be a good coach and improve people without having that line and studying that line. Because what is very important in many, many sports is the power output, the ability to change mechanical energy. And you can basically improve power output with many, many different ways without taking care of the force-velocity profile. That being said... Um, If you know that force velocity spectrum, you may identify some differences between athletes because there are typically if you have a rugby team, you will see that there are many different profiles. And the second thing is that at some point, you may identify some weak points in the profile. For example, in sprinting, you see someone that is not improving anymore on the 30 meter or on the 40 yard dash and you see in the profile, for example, that uh, the maximum velocity side of the profile is, is really low. So we, you have a force oriented profile or vice versa. You have a velocity oriented profile. You may identify some weaknesses comparing the athletes, you know, to each other or comparing to published databases. And so you may identify some, uh, let's say larger margin for improvements. You know, the, the principle of diminishing returns in training. States that the higher quality, the lower the training improvement you can expect. So the idea is that with the profile you're going to track for a given athlete, where is the where are the weaknesses and where is the margin for change and improvement? This is the way we address, for example, some some rugby players at the pro level. And and believe me, even elite people have still some margin of improvement. Maybe not with the usual methods. Uh, but at least, but by, by seeing uh, what what you don't usually see with just analyzing performance,
0: I think that's, that's super interesting. Um, and when we when we then look at uh, we what we can what we can target to improve, uh, so let, let's say we've got in this case someone who needs a, a force uh, stimulus. Uh, how does that look in terms of their
1: their training? Do they then go into a maximum strength training block? Yeah, that's going to be as simple as that. But the, the the idea is that the approach is just a piece of the puzzle of the training. It's, it doesn't mean that if you have a force deficit, then your 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 everyday life will be maximum force output. This is not the reality of training. But we want to modulate. I love the term modulate. It's get You're going to have some basic training and we are going to modulate. So typically here, if you need maximum force uh, to be developed, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's not a million of ways to improve maximum force output. It's not by lifting light. It's not by, by running long. <laughs> you see what I mean? So you're going to have to lift heavy. So yes, in, in that specific case, uh, you're going to, you're going to have to work on it. Yeah.
0: I think that's super interesting. It has, has massive applications throughout sport, but especially for those people who, uh, maybe didn't think they had access to, to all of the kit in the world. And all of a sudden there's this app and the app will pretty much tell them whether they need to do some extra, although no, not entirely, uh, some extra strength training or maybe some extra speed and velocity type training. That's, that's super interesting. Um, yeah. and before we, before we finish off, um, because I know you're about to go on holiday and I'm stealing your, your holiday minutes as, as we speak, um, before, uh, before you leave, I want to ask you, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from? Uh you
1: mean, you mean with the, with this type of approach?
0: With, with anything in the world, anything that you want to share with, uh, with, our, our uh, thousands and millions of listeners.
1: Yeah, I would say that that's, um, The source of error and the source of quality of what you're going to measure in sports people is very likely for a bit in the devices you use. But it's going to be a lot in in the procedures, in the quality of the way you prepare people, you get people familiar with testing and the way you direct testing. And so if you end up with uh, data that don't don't make sense, uh, think twice. Maybe it's not only about the methods. Maybe it's about how they are uh, applied. So that's, that's the the take-home message, I guess.
0: Absolutely fantastic. I think that's excellent advice. So uh, JB, massive thanks for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking. And I wish you uh, a lot of uh, fun and adventure on
1: your holidays in a minute. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Everything starts with a good beer. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's better advice than your last piece.
0: <laughs> excellent. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to JB for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to have a look in there for loads of different sports science related topics. And you can do that completely for free for seven days using the trial in the show notes. So all you have to do is click that link in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please also give us a quick review. That means that we can keep spreading the word to as many people as possible. And that they'll know that the podcast is, of course, of decent quality. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That's really important because it means that you won't miss out on next week's fantastic guest. And that's it. I'm my son of Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.